Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days he would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land he gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Donna Deckard, and this is the House of Ephraim show on January the 2nd, 2024. Yes, the holidays are over, and it is January. And today, well, it's Teacher's Tuesday. The first, a word from our name. And now, from Cradle of Hope, are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope, is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Welcome back. This is your host, Sister Donna Deckard. I have a few announcements to make. First of all, we have quarterly coming up. (laughs) Yes, we do. And I'm telling you, we are gearing up here in the office. We're getting everything ready to go, and we are preparing. January quarterly is on the 12th, 13th, and 14th of this year, 2024. And uh, there's a few of you that I know are going to be here, but you have not registered. Get that in. Yeah, get that done. So, uh, yeah, we need you to uh, register, if you will, for the quarterly. Uh, That way we know how much food to prepare for. And uh, also, if you're going to listen online, it's $30. You need to send that registration in as well. Check out our... Uh, itinerary page at our website www.jewishprofit.com for more information on that and uh, we have excuse me we have a sabbath fellowship as you know online weekly and this is on our youtube channel jewish prophet that's friday night with prophet mark reinbolt we also have a wednesday evening service that i do that's available on that youtube channel channel and also, just just to let you know, we also have New Moon coming up. That will be on the 11th of January. That's Thursday the 11th. And, of course, the quarterly will begin on the 12th following that. 
So wanted to wanted to update you all on all that. And as I said before, today is Teachers Tuesday. And oh, one other point too, I wanted to make for those of you that wondered what happened to blog during the Christmas holidays. Well, the the uh, internet company or whatever the blog radio that we use, they were having problems, and uh, we we would. Uh, call in to to begin it and the call might not go through or half of it would go through and you'd go I'd go to their website and they'd say well they were having having problems and so we we missed missed several of um, the services that we would have had during the holidays I apologize for that but it was out of my control there wasn't anything I could do about it I am just thrilled that today, today we have blog radio, and I am, I am very thrilled about that. Well, we are going to continue on. We we began this several weeks ago. We began the uh, teaching on uh, temptation, and uh, yeah, that was back December twelfth is when I began that. So. But, of course, most of you have been through Purpose of Temptation. But you know what? It's important to go through it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Because why? Because God is continually wanting to show us something. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. There is no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. I'll never forget when I found this scripture. I'll never forget. I I was, you know, I was I was of the impression that I was the only one that was going through what I was going through in my life at that time. Nothing. Nobody was having it as hard as I was. Nobody was going through what I was going through. And I remember I I read this scripture. Actually, I think I heard Prophet preaching it. But I remember going, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I remember I had a miscarriage. I had a miscarriage. I'm telling you, oh, it was horrible. I wanted a baby. I was a young young uh, bride, and I wanted a baby so bad, and I had a miscarriage. I lost that baby, and it was just the end of the world for me. It was just horrible. But you know what? All of a sudden, all of these people in our congregation, all of these women came, and they began to tell stories of how they, had miscarriages. And it was like they came out of the woodwork. It wasn't something they talked about very often, but they would come to comfort me and tell me how they had endured the same thing I was going through. There is no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. Even the miscarriage that was so horrible in my life at that time was something that multiple women before and after me have gone through. 
wasn't anything new. Wasn't anything new. You may say, yeah, but Sister Donna, this is something different. This is something that, that I don't know anybody that's going through what I'm going through. Well, you can either decide God's word is the truth or you can decide it's a lie. God's word says that what you're going through, somebody, sometime, somewhere has been through. Nothing new. Nothing new. But God is faithful. No matter what it is that you're going through, even if it's something rare, God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able. Say, God is faithful. I am able to go through this. You can handle it. Oh, you may think you can't. Your flesh may be screaming, but you can handle this. You can handle it. It's not too much for you because God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be attempted above what you are able. But with that temptation, he will make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. I remember one time before I had heard Prophet's sermon on temptation, I remember I was was having pity parties about whatever it was that I was going through. I mean, it was just horrible what I was having to go through. And I was just having me a big-time pity party. Just having me a big-time pity party. Just crying out, feeling sorry for myself. And I can remember God asking me, are you dying? Are you hanging on a cross? Have you been beaten? you have a crown of thorns on your head? No. Began to feel a little foolish. I wasn't going through what Yeshua went through at all. Yet I was having a pity party. Feel sorry for me, God. God, feel sorry for me. Things aren't just working out the way I want them to. God is faithful. He won't suffer you to go through more than you are able. And he'll make a way to escape that you can bear it. God gives the law a promise. It's linked to a principle or condition followed by a problem, a temptation in the wilderness leading to the provision. That's the law of provision. Turn with me to James chapter 1. James 1, 13 and 14. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. But every man... Now listen, 
every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. I want to read that in the Amplified. It makes more sense. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For temptation does not originate from God, but from our own flaws. For God cannot be tempted by what is evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each of us is said when he is dragged away, enticed, baited to commit sin by his own worldly desire, lust, passion. God doesn't tempt us. It's our own worldly desires. Temptation is to show us what's in our heart so we can change it. So we can change it. What God wants you to get out of your heart. Turn with me to Second Chronicles. I, I want I want you to read to to listen to this to this scripture. Second Chronicles thirty two. Second Chronicles thirty two. We're going to start in verse one. After these things and the establishment of thereof, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered into Judah and encamped against the fenced cities and sought to win them for himself. But then Hezekiah, now Hezekiah was the king, okay, saw that Sennacherib was come and that he had, that his purpose was to fight against Jerusalem. He took counsel with, Hezekiah took counsel with his princes, his mighty men, to stop the waters of the fountain which were outside the city, and they did help him. And there were gathered much people together who stopped all the fountains in the brook that ran through the midst of the land, saying, Why should the king of Assyria come and find much water? Now I want you to understand, water is necessary for life. And these, when they, these, this king of Assyria came, his soldiers were going to need water. And so Hezekiah was going, let's stop up all the water so they don't have water for their siege against us. Also, verse 5, he strengthened himself and built up all the wall that was broken down, raised up all the towers and another wall without, and repaired Milo in the city of David and made darts and shields in abundance. And he set up captains of war over the people and gathered them together to him in the street of the gate of the city and spake comfortably to them, saying, Now this is what Hezekiah was telling to the people of Jerusalem, okay? Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed. For the king of Assyria nor for all the multitude that is with him, for there is more with us than with him. You need to underline that. God says to you and to I, when we are in the midst of temptation, be strong 
in your face. Be courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. There's more for you than against you. Verse 8. With him, the wreck rib, is the arm of flesh. He had mighty men. He had a big army. He looked like he could overcome them. But with us, Hezekiah said, is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battle. If you are living for the Lord, you can trust in him that he will help fight your battle. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, the king of Judah. Now you understand why Hezekiah, when he was told by the prophet to get his house in order, he was going to die. And when he turned his face to the wall and prayed, God gave him 15 more years. Hezekiah. Hezekiah encouraged the people of Judah to trust their God. You and I need to trust our God when we're in the midst of temptation. After this, did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, send his servants to Jerusalem to siege against King Hezekiah of Judah and all of Judah that were in Jerusalem. But he himself laid siege against Lachish and all his power with him. So his servants said, Thus says Sarekarim, the king of Assyria, Whereupon do you trust that you abide in the siege in Jerusalem? He's going, how come, why are you staying? How come you didn't flee? We're coming to conquer you and you just stayed put. Who are you trusting? Now listen, listen to what, what Sirachim has them saying. Verse 11. Does not Hezekiah persuade you to give over yourselves to die by famine? And by thirst, doesn't that sound just like what we say? Oh, what I'm going through, I'm going to die. It's going to kill me. It's going to ruin me. That's the words of the devil. That's the words of darkness. See what Hezekiah said. The Lord our God will deliver us out of the land of the king, or hand of the king of Assyria. So you and I, gotta, we got to get to the point where we believe that God's hand will deliver us and not believe the lies of the devil. I mean, this was a real life situation. These people were holed up in Jerusalem. And the king of Judah was saying, we're trusting God. There's more of us than there is of them. 
But when you looked out over the wall, there was a whole bunch of them. And they were saying, how come? How come you are trusting Hezekiah? You're going to die by famine and thirst. Has not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, saying, you shall worship before one altar and burn incense upon it? Hezekiah said, we're going to serve one God. The king of Syria says, hey, he took away your other gods. Are you going to trust him? You see, Hezekiah was Hezekiah got them where what? Where God could help them. Got rid of their idols. Thirteen, know you not what I and my fathers have done unto all the people of the other lands? Were the gods of the nations of those lands in any way able to deliver the hands out the lands out of my hand? He's like, Look at my history. There hadn't been any other God in any other nation that's been able to stop me. And you think your God can? Oh, but we think we it can. But he is the one true God. Who is there among all the gods of those nations that my fathers utterly destroyed that could deliver his people out of my hand? That your God. Your God should be able to deliver you out of your hand, my hand. Do you hear the ploy of darkness out of this man's mouth? Do you hear what you and I hear when we're in the midst of a situation? Darkness is always telling us God can't help you. No one can help you with this situation. Your God ain't big enough to handle this. What are you going to do? You're going to die. Verse 15. Now, now, therefore, let not Hezekiah deceive you nor persuade you on this manner. Neither yet believe him. He is coming against their king and coming against their God. For no God of any nation or kingdom was able to deliver his people out of my hand and out of the hands of my fathers. How much less shall your God deliver you out of my hand? I'm telling you, Sennacherib has forgotten what happened to Egypt, but Hezekiah hasn't. Isaiah knows the power of the God that they serve. And his servants spake yet more against the Lord God and against his servant, Hezekiah. And he wrote letters. Oh, now they even sent letters to rail on the Lord God of Israel and to speak against him, saying, as the gods of the nation of other lands have not delivered their people out of my hand, so shall not the God of Hezekiah deliver his people out of my hand. Seracharim is pulling out all the stops. Darkness will do that to you and I. 
When we're going through something, darkness will try to throw every possible thing at you and I. Darkness will try to convince you that the worst is going to happen. You can't trust God with this. 18. They didn't stop yet. Then they cried out loud voices in the Jewish speech unto the people of Jerusalem. They started speaking in the same language that were on the wall to frighten them and to trouble them so they could take the city. Spake against the God of Jerusalem and against the gods of the people of the earth, which were the work of man's, the hands of man. And for this cause, Hezekiah the king and the prophet Isaiah the son of Amoz prayed and cried to heaven. They didn't have a pity party. They prayed. They didn't say, woe is me. They prayed. I want you to look. Hezekiah prepared, and then when the onslaught came, they prayed. They prayed. And the Lord sent an angel, which cut off all the mighty men of valor and the leaders and the captains and the camp king of Assyria. And so he returned with shame to face his own land. I bet he did return with shame. He just said that he, him and his father had conquered every nation that they had went to conquer, and he had failed to conquer Judah. He returned with shame. He was the first king of Assyria for generations that had failed. And when he came into the house of his God, they came forth of his own bowels and slew him there with the sword. You know what that means? His own kids killed him. Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others, and guided them on every side. And many brought gifts unto the Lord to Jerusalem and presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah. So he was magnified in the sight of all nations from henceforth. He had done something no other king had done. But it wasn't him, was it? It was the God of Judah. In those days, Hezekiah was sick unto death, and he prayed to the Lord, and he spake unto him, and he gave him a sign. But Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him, for his heart was lifted up. See, he thought it was him. What was it that Moses said? After you've been, after you've been serving the Lord and, and God's blessed you, you can forget that it was your God and you think it's you. And that's what happened to Hezekiah. Therefore was wrath upon him and upon Judah and Jerusalem. 
Notwithstanding, verse 26, Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so the wrath of God came not upon them in the days of Hezekiah. Hezekiah realized his pride, didn't he? And he humbled himself. Hezekiah had exceedingly much riches and honor, and he made himself treasures of silver, gold, and precious stones, and spices, and for shields, and all manner of pleasant jewels. Storehouses also for the increase of corn, and wine, and oil, and stalls of all manner of beasts, and coats for flocks. Moreover, he provided him cities, and possession of flocks and herds and herds in abundance, for God had given him substance very much. This same Hezekiah also stopped the utter upper water course of Gilead and brought it straight down the west side of the city of David, and Hezekiah prospered in all of his works. Thirty-one. How be it? In the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, who sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land, God left him to try him, that he might know what was in his heart. God wants to know what's really in your heart. See, Hezekiah waved back and forth. Sometimes the pride came up, and sometimes it... Sometimes he was humble. Sometimes he, he, he gave God the glory, and sometimes he took the glory himself. God left him that he would know what was in his heart. God wants to know what's in your heart. And he will allow you to go through situations to find out what is in your heart. What is in your heart? Let's go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 30. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of the world cometh, but he has nothing in me. This is Yeshua talking. And he says, look, he's not going to find any what? Lust of the flesh in my heart. He's not going to find anything but me serving God. But he's going to come and he's going to tempt me. Romans 5.17 For by one man's offense death reigned by one. That would be Adam. Much more they which received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Yeshua, the Christ. Because we have Christ, we can receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Hezekiah didn't have Christ available, but you and I do. We have one more tool in our arsenal than he had. And yet we want to ball and squall. We got it so bad. 
No, we don't. Because we got Yeshua. We got Yeshua. We can reign over all of the circumstances in our lives. God made a way for you and I. And it's Yeshua. Go to chapter 6. Romans 6. Verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us as were baptized unto Yeshua the Christ were baptized unto his death? You see, the sin in our lives should die. Wherefore we are buried with him by baptism and death that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. We're still in Romans 6, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. You and I do not have to serve sin. So why do we? Because of the lust of our flesh. That's why. Is what we want. For he that is dead is free from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death has no more dominion over him. Death has no dominion over him and over us. For he that for in that he died, he died sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Yeshua Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What sin shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace, God forbid. Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether it's sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. But God, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sins, but you have obeyed from the heart that from 
strong, for, that that, excuse me, heart, that form of doctrine that was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, you become the servants of righteousness. You become the servants of righteousness. We are to live and act in righteousness, in right standing with God. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members to uncleanliness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even now yield your members servants to righteousness and to holiness. For ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had you then in those things wherein you are now ashamed? Think about it. What are you ashamed of that you have done in the past? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, Ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift, the gift of God is eternal life through Yeshua Christ our Lord. We have to learn to recognize and admit our own failure. Think about that. You have to learn to recognize and to admit your own failure. You have to resist the pull of wrong desire. And you have to turn yourself over to God to be used for his purpose. Go on down to Romans 8. Romans chapter 8, 1 through 5. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Yeshua, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That's capital S. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. You see, it's our own fleshly desires that bring us into the temptation. But if we will learn to walk after the Spirit, we can walk in righteousness. We can walk in right standing with the Father. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. We can live without condemnation. We can be free from the vicious circle of sin and death. And we can be able to obey 
God's laws. We have that ability. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You have to learn to be spiritually minded, and you have to learn that when you are spiritually minded, You're going to have life, and you're going to have peace. You're not going to be hearing the servants of the powers of darkness crying out to you, speaking lies to you like like Seracharim's servants did to Judah, crying out saying, why are you trusting, trusting Hezekiah? Why are you trusting You're God. I can overcome you. Uh, Look at what I've done in the past. You're going to die. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And Hezekiah said, there's more of us than there are of them. Because God is on our side. But we have to do what? We have to get the sin out of our lives. We got to quit living carnally and start to walk in the spirit. Let's go on down to verse 7 through 9. We're in Romans 8. Because the carnal mind is at enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, Neither indeed can it be. Now, wait a minute. Listen. The carnal mind is not subject to the law of God. Neither can it be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man has not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Do you have the spirit of God in you? Are you one of his? Verse 10. And if Christ be in you, The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit of life because of righteousness. If Christ is in you, those fleshly desires, those things that drive you and cause you to get into temptation can die. And you can begin to walk in righteousness. But it's going to take what? It's going to take the renewing of your mind. It's going to take you getting into the word of God 
and beginning to hear what God has to say about what it is that you're going through. You have to start listening more to what God has to say than what darkness has to say about your situation. And it takes that renewing. And that takes time because it's, it's contrary to your normal flesh. It's contrary to what you normally would want to do and be. But it can be done. It can be done. God made a way for us through Yeshua. Because we can die to self. And we can live unto him. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that exciting? So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But we're not in the flesh. We are in the spirit. Because God dwells in it. Because God dwells in him. Verse 10. If Christ be in you, the body is dead, and the sin and the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwelleth in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwells in you. God can cause you to have life. God can cause you to have life. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that exciting? God said, hey, I made a way for you. I know that you're flesh and blood. I know that, 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 that because of Adam, you're going to die. But I made a way. I had a plan. Verse 12 and 13. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Listen to this. I want you to listen. We are debtors not to our own flesh to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, we'll die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Listen. You have not received the spirit of bondage to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. There's more force than there is against us. Because we're his children. 
and children and heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be we suffer with him, that we will be glorified together. Verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy. Listen to this. What you're going through, the temptation, the problem, the situation you're going through, this time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. You know, it's kind of like giving birth. When when a woman is given birth, she is under a lot. She goes through pain. But do you know, you forget about that pain as soon as that baby's born and you're holding that little newborn baby in your arms. It doesn't matter what pain you went through. You forget about it. It wasn't even worthy to be compared to the new life you're holding in your hands. The suffering that you go through down here on earth right now can't even be compared to the glory of God that will be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself shall also be delivered from the bondage of corruption unto glorious liberty of the children of God. God's creation is waiting on it. 22 and 23. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our bodies. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen, listen, is not hope. For what man seeth, why does he yet hope for it? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You need to daily pray in the Spirit because the Spirit knows what's going on in your life. And that can solve a lot of problems. I always tell people when they get filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to pray at least 10 minutes before you go to sleep at night in the Spirit. Let, you, let your spirit, man, work for you. Romans eight twenty seven and 28. And we're going to... Well, we've got a little time. We might not. We might make it through this. He that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints. Listen up, according to the will of God. When you pray in the Spirit, you're praying the will of God. 
And we know all things work together to good for them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Can you be conformed to the image of his Son when you're going through temptations? Can you do what Yeshua did? He quoted the word of God. And he submitted to the Father. Can you and I do that in the midst of our temptation? We can and we should. Moreover, whom he did predestinate them, he also called. Whom he called them, he also justified. Whom he justified, he also glorified. What shall we then say of these things? If God be for us, Who can be against us? There's more for us than there is against us. Just what Hezekiah told them in Jerusalem during the siege of the king of Assyria. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect For it is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God and makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? For it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height or death or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Yeshua, our Lord. Just as Hezekiah told his subjects of Judea, don't be afraid. of what this king is saying. The lies of darkness that he's speaking. You're not going to die. You're not going to die of famine and thirst. Because there's more force than against us. We serve the living God. David said about the lions uncircumcised Philistine think he is defying the armies of God. Whatever it is that you and I are going through, whatever it is, you can take care of it if you are serving and believing God. Let's pray. 
God knows what you're going through. God knows your situations. And he is waiting to see if you're going to believe him or you're going to believe the lies of your carnal thinking and of darkness. He's waiting to see who are you going to believe today. Are there some of you that need healing? I want you to put your hand wherever it is that you need healing today. There's somebody, you got something going on in, in, in your, your lower back. Put your hand there. In the mighty name of Yeshua, Yeshekai, Yeshekai, Yeshekai. In the mighty name of Yeshua, I speak a miracle. I command the anointing to flow. Satan, I bind you. And I command you to take your lying symptoms and you leave that body. Father, I send forth your holy angels to cause that healing to manifest. In the mighty name of Yeshua. Ishakahad Bishekahai. Yukurabaha. 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 Now I want you to I want you to praise God. Thank him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Yeshua's precious name. Well, I want to thank each of you for tuning in, and I want to remind you that with God, all things are possible. Shalom. Shalom.